Well, good evening, everybody. It's wonderful to see you all tonight. Amen. And um, we had a wonderful feast of Pentecost last week. Amen. Wasn't it awesome? Amen. Great to have Nathan Morris back last week. And then really awesome to see Dr. Brown, Dr. Michael Brown. And uh, we had a great time of fellowship with him as well. It was wonderful to just hear what God is doing all over the nations at the moment, what's going on on the planet, the good, the bad, the ugly, and all of the stuff in between. So um, we're going to dive into the Word in just a moment. Um, I just want to share with you um, as we, I mean, sort of this will be a prelude to the Word this evening, but at, here at Oceans, we have one major desire. And that is for each and every one of you to grow into a real deep, intimate relationship with God. We want you to know Him. We want you to experience Him. We want you to, you know, Paul prayed, he prayed this prayer that, he, that, 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 the, that the church would come to the knowledge of God. And that's a desire that we have. We are, we are a church that really wants for you to experience God, experience His presence, and to grow into the deeper things. I'm saying all of that to say this, in an atmosphere like this, change is demanded. And the reason why it's demanded is because wherever the Holy Spirit is present, the Bible says that one of the things He does is He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You might say, well, I'm not in the world. Brother, you're very much in the world. You may not be of the world anymore, but you are still in this world. And you will also be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Believe me. So He is forever drawing us closer to Him. He's forever desiring for us to change. But I also believe that He wants to open the Scriptures up to us to make it easy to understand. You know, the, the burden of, of being a believer and walking with Christ is not a heavy burden. It's light. It's easy to bear. And, and when you begin to understand just how awesome and wonderful God truly is, and actually the walk becomes easier and easier because you learn how to rest more in Christ instead of struggling all the time. As believers, we should go far beyond dealing with the day-to-day -day overcomings of our flesh, for example, we will, you know, we, we all have to, we all have to deal with our flesh on a daily basis. We'll talk about that today. But the fact of the matter is, is that we should all desire to be more mature. We should all desire to be led by the Spirit. And this week, while I was praying, God really spoke to me about something very, very powerful. And I wanted to actually share that tonight, but. I need to do more research and spend more time in the scriptures regarding the revelation that I had before I can release it to you. I want to make sure that I heard correctly from God, that my ears were not full of wax that, that morning. God doesn't say the wrong thing. He says the right thing all the time. It's the hearer that's the problem sometimes. Amen. And that includes me every now and then. Not as much as you, though. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, let's get right into it this evening. How many of you here are grateful 
that you have been made righteous. Now let's take a look at what the scriptures say, and we're gonna we're gonna dive into this because I believe that there's been something that has been a confusion to many of you, perhaps, perhaps not. I can tell you that when I was a young Christian, this is something that really drove me crazy because I couldn't understand why there's this almost what seems to be like a conflict of interest, for lack of a better expression. But let's get into it, and we'll get th- we'll get through it this evening. First John one. I just want to say that it's so awesome to be with you guys. You know, I, I didn't minister last week, and it's actually probably the first feast that I haven't ministered in, and um, I enjoyed not, not doing it and just resting and, and, and being able to be a part of it, but it's so good to be back. First John 1 verse number 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know about you, but this is one of those really great scriptures where we see that God is faithful and He is just and He will forgive us when we come to Him. If we come to Him and we we ask for forgiveness, how many of you know that He will forgive you? He is so good that He will forgive you. And I honestly believe that if you said to me, Pastor Alex, am I in trouble? If I ask God for forgiveness, will He forgive me? Just the fact that you can ask that question tells me that you are able to receive forgiveness. It's not when you're wondering whether God will forgive you or not that there's a problem. It's when you don't want forgiveness that there's a problem. So if you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, I've made so many mistakes. I've done so many things wrong. How is it that God would possibly forgive me? Would He forgive me? Yes, He would. Yes, He will. He will forgive you. If you ask for forgiveness, if you come to Him and say, Lord, will you forgive me? He will. You see, what most of us don't understand is that the price that was paid at Calvary was extremely valuable. It was the blood of a pure king. It was pure, pure, pure blood that was spilt. And there's no atonement anymore from any other sacrifice for your sins because there was one price that was paid to remove all the sins for all eternity of those who go to Him. If you're part of the vine, if you drink from that cup, if you eat from that body, you will be forgiven, you will be cleansed, you will be washed. That's a promise that we have. And it's awesome. It's so awesome that we have been cleansed from unrighteousness. Romans 5 verse number 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know that we have been justified by faith? There's nothing that we can actually do to receive this this, this salvation, to receive this justification. Jesus has done everything. It's not our works that justify us. In other words, you don't have to earn this forgiveness. He's done it for you. It's been paid for. All you have to do is believe that He is and He will forgive you. That He is what? That He is the Son of God. That He is the King of kings. That He is the Lord of lords. That's what you have to believe. And you have to believe as well that that forgiveness is for you. Because if you don't believe that that forgiveness is for you, you'll walk around feeling condemned. The one who condemns is completely the opposite spirit to the Holy Spirit. He's nasty, he's ugly, he's a deceiver, he's a liar. He's a condemner. And that's Satan and his minions 
And that's what they do. They want to stop you from, from stepping into what Jesus has done for you. There is nothing Satan can do because it's a finished work. It's already done. Grace is coming at you all the time. All you have to do is say, yes, Lord, I receive it. I receive it. I believe. And he will forgive you. We have been justified by faith. It's the only thing that qualifies you, not your works, not your deeds. You think you're better than somebody else, but let me tell you, your righteousness is like filthy rags. So in other words, your attempt to, to, to be justified is actually very, very bad. We won't talk about that now. Let's just move on. But the fact is, is that it's a filthy thing. It, 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 it cannot qualify you because the majority of the times when we even do something good, it has a selfish motive. Not many amens there, but you should all say amen. You selfish person, you. Second Corinthians 5 verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of of God in Him. How many of you are thankful that we have been made righteous? Do you know that you have been cleansed? You have been made righteous. We are His righteousness. That is such a powerful thing because you stand made whole in the realm of the Spirit. You stand made righteous. You are in right standing with God positionally based on what Jesus has done for you. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. The problem is, is our, our minds don't quite fathom it because we, we don't think that way. But you must understand everything with God works in covenants and promises. And there was a covenant made that you would be made righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross. There's no other way for you to be holy. You cannot be holy other than this. This is the only way that you can actually qualify to enter into the most holy place. To be made holy, to have access, is because of what Jesus did on the cross. Righteous you. Yes, you, you stand righteous before Him. You've been positioned righteously. You stand before Him, made whole, right? Is it good news? Yes, you better say amen. Let me give you one more, one more verse. Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Adam is the one who brought sin into the world, but Jesus paid so that we could receive that gift of righteousness. So we've been restored with God, made righteous before God. Adam's the one who messed it up. Sin came into the world through him. Let me tell you something, you wouldn't have done any better. So stop blaming him. You probably would have messed up earlier than Adam. Well, it wasn't Adam, it was Eve. <laughs> I heard you. <laughs> yeah, you know who you are. <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about that. Let's just move on. <laughs> but here's the problem. We understand that we have been positioned and been made righteous. 
But the Bible says this, and it's a very powerful scripture because you must understand that in the atmosphere of holiness, in the atmosphere of, of the presence of God, where God is, there is always change demanded, required. It's just what happens or else you can't handle it. You can't handle to be around the presence of God when your life is just completely upside down because the Holy Spirit is forever revealing what needs to change. First Peter 1 verse 15 says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Now we understand that we have been made righteous, but look at the, there's something important in the scripture. He says, you also be holy in all your what? Conduct. Okay, the scripture's not there, I forgive you. <laughs> be holy in all your conduct. In other words, we should not only accept the fact that we have been made righteous, we must recognize that our God is a holy God and He demands that we also conduct ourselves, walk in a way that is holy. But that's a difficult thing. Can you all say amen? Come on, be honest, that's a difficult thing. It's not easy to be holy all the time. The Bible tells us that our righteousness is like filthy rags, which means that even our attempt to be holy is actually quite dismal. But the fact is, is that there is a demand placed on us to cause us to change. And there's no contradiction. We've been made righteous and we wouldn't even be able to take a step in this new birth life that we have without that righteousness. You would have no authority over anything. You wouldn't be able to pray and move, move anything. I wanted to say move a fly, but that would actually be pretty hard if you prayed, you know. Some of you got that, okay. It's interesting because Paul, without any doubt, understood that there was this dilemma. That yes, we've been made righteous, and that in us now is this, this holiness, the Spirit of God that now lives on the inside of us, but there's also another problem that's present in us. And God demands that we be holy, that we conduct ourselves as holy. This business of, 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 well, you know, you could just live how you want and do what you want and don't worry because you've been made righteous. You don't have to do anything. Rubbish. That's not the Word of God. But Paul addresses it in the most profound, powerful way, and he lays it out really simply. It's just we make it difficult. Let's take a look. Let's go to Romans 7, verse 15. Now, the truth is you need to read all of this, 7 and 8, to understand it properly. But I believe that I'll be able to give you enough tonight that you'll be able to really walk out of this evening service understanding righteousness. Romans 7, 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. How many of, that, how many of you in this room can say, that sounds like me? Now, lift your hand, all of you liars. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. And I want you to understand something. We're not talking about any old apostle here or any old person. I can assure you, I can boldly say Paul was far more holy than you. But he makes this statement. For, for what I'm doing, I do not understand. And for what I will to do, that I do not practice. 
but what I hate, that I do. And it's interesting because he doesn't say, he's not teaching them and saying, I know that you do things you don't want to do. He says, listen, this is me. Because I've come to understand something. Something has become a, 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 re, a, re, a revelation to me. I've realized something. Let's take a look. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. How many of you in this room want to do the right thing? How many of you in this room can say, I want to live right, Lord. I don't want to say anything bad about my neighbor. I don't want to think anything bad about my neighbor. I don't want to say anything bad about my boss, especially at Oceans, any of the staff. You say anything bad about your boss, God will tell me. I'm not kidding. <laughs> How many of you never want to do anything? You want to do what is right. Come on, most of us want to do what is right. You see, this is so important because when he says this, he's being absolutely sincere. This is a major dilemma that he's realized is not only a problem that he's experiencing, but so many in the body of Christ back then and today are having the same struggle. They want to do what is right, but they've realized that what they want to do, they don't do, and what they don't want to do, they do. What must they do? They're in trouble. He says, but he says, but I agree with the law that it is good. He says, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. Okay, we've got a little bit of hope because we actually desire to do what is right, to do what God wants us to do, to walk in a way that will be pleasing to Him. Listen, not for your, not for not for His benefit, but for yours. This is what we don't understand. We think that God gave the law and gave certain things because he's just difficult or he's just mean or he just doesn't understand. No, he did it all for you so that you wouldn't suffer, so that you wouldn't die, so that you wouldn't be tormented. That's why he did it. Now that may be contrary to what the world teaches because the world does teach contrary. For example... You can decide whatever you want today. Scripture tells us that there are certain things you can't decide because they're either right or they're the wrong. But Paul says, listen, I agree that the law is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So he's saying, listen, I understand that I have these things that I do that I don't want to do. I agree that the law is good. He says, so that means that it is no longer I who do it, but the sin, the sin that dwells in me. Let's go on. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. In other words, he's saying, listen, I understand. I understand that God, God's word, God's, God's law, it is good. He's plans, His designs, His, His, His intentions, His, His word, it is good, and I want to do it, but I also understand that in my flesh, in my body, in this fallen being that I am, sin is present. It's there. Go look in the mirror, you'll see it staring right back at you. You'll see your weaknesses, your shortcomings. You'll look at yourself and say, how could I have said that? How could I have done that? But you really want to do what's right. Is there anybody out there? 
Verse 19. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do that, what I, if, now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law. This is so important. Evil is present with me. Everybody look at me. It doesn't matter how good you are. Evil is present with you. Why? Because you're there. Because you are present. And you must understand that you still live in this fallen body. Your body has not been glorified yet. You have not been made perfect in every area of your being. Your spirit man has been born again. Your soul is being transformed, being saved. But your body is still completely fallen. So you must understand that there's this war going on in your members, on the inside of you, between your members, your your soul, your spirit, and your body. There's this war going on between evil, which is the fallen nature, and the nature of God, which is your reborn spirit. It's going on all the time, this conflict. Please put that scripture back up for me. Verse 21, let's just read it again. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. There he talks about it. Now look at what he says. What am I gonna do? Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me from this body? I thank my God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now watch, watch, this is so important. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. So with my mind, with my will, with my desire, everybody say desire. I serve the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. So my flesh and my, and my mind, my, my, my flesh and my spirit are in this conflict. But I have chosen, Paul says, I have chosen to choose, I desire to follow the law of the spirit. I desire to do that. Are you all with me? This is what he wants to do. He wants to, he wants to follow the law of the spirit and not the law of the flesh where evil is present. I, I want to make sure I don't lose anybody. So what does that mean? What do we have to do so that we can continue to grow, to transform, to change, and become, for lack of a better word, to become better? How many of you want your relationship with God to be better? I believe that Jesus gave us the key. How many of you think Jesus is amazing? I believe with all of my heart, He gave us the key to understanding what this means. And this is where many Christians have gotten confused. Remember, you have been made righteous but there is still a war going on inside you. Paul says that there's something that you have to do. You have to will. You have to will to do what the Lord wants. You have to will with the the side of the spirit and not the side of the flesh. Are you with me? Jesus told us this already. Let's go to Matthew 6, verse 31. Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. How many of you need some things? 
How many of you need some stuff? How many of you need to be able to go to work tomorrow in your car and fill it up with gas? How many of you need to, how many of you need to grow, grow further in your relationship with God? How many of you want to have a better marriage? How many of you want your children to be saved and to serve the Lord? How many of you need some stuff? He says, for after all these things the Gentiles seek for you, Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. You need everything. You need to be provided for. Listen, you might make your things little. My list is large. I want my family better. I want my marriage better. I want my church better. I want everything I do to be better. So now he gives us the key. So what should we do? He says, but seek first the kingdom of God. Let's stop there. Seek first God. Seek first the ways of the kingdom. With all of your heart, you can't seek the kingdom without seeking the king. The secret to everything in your walk with God is to go after him with all of your heart. To go after him with all of your soul, with all of your strength. To go after him. Seek first the kingdom of God. But then he says this, and his righteousness. Well, I thought we've already been made righteous. Have you not been made righteous? So then why do you have to continue to seek righteousness? Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that Paul was still seeking righteousness? Oh, you gave the right answer. I'm so glad. I would have been, we've got to go back to first grade. Yes, there's no doubt. That's exactly what he's saying. When he says, I choose the law of the flesh, the law of the spirit, I choose to go after that. That's my desire to seek righteousness, to seek the righteousness of God. Let, let me put it to you this way. Jesus is at the door. That's the righteousness of Christ at the door. Pastor William, stand at the, over here. Stand over here. Pastor John, stand over here. No, stand over here. <laughs> okay, and I'll stand over here. Paul walked with God so much and he seeked the righteousness of God. But even though he's over there where Pastor William is and Jesus is at the door, he was continuing to seek righteousness all the time, continuing to do the will of the Father, continuing to live according to the Word of God, continuing to seek the ways of God in everything that he did. As soon as you stop seeking righteousness, as soon as you stop to walk in his ways, you get into trouble right away. Yes, you are righteous. You've been made righteous. But if you stop seeking to live right and to do what is right, you get into trouble. Okay? Yes, Pastor John. Let's just pretend it's Pastor John. <laughs> Pastor John wants to get to the wall. Okay? He's not where Paul is. He's where Pastor John is. Don't worry. Pastor Alex is over here. Okay? I'll be humble this evening. Okay? So do you understand what I'm saying? We're all on this journey trying to seek the righteousness of God, but with no condemnation. We, 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 don't, we know who we are. We know that we are saved. We know our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We know that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We know that we agree with the law. We know that we desire to do His will and to do His ways, but the journey is still going. That's why Paul says, run your race. Run that race. Keep on going. Fight the good fight. You have to keep on going. But if you ever stop seeking righteousness, you're going to get into trouble. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Are you with me? 
yes, you've been made righteous. But if you want everything you really need, you must seek righteousness. I've been made righteous. Righteousness has been imputed because of the cross. It's mine. I'm, I'm, I'm holy. I stand before Him. But every single day I'm being changed. Every single day I'm being transformed. And I understand that the only way I'm going to grow a little bit more and get a little bit stronger is by grace. That's why in Titus the Bible says that grace teaches us to deny ungodly living and worldly lust. Grace not only comes to you to save you, it also teaches you, it transforms you, it empowers you, it equips you to continue to move forward. Put the scripture back up for me, please. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all, everybody say all. All these things, everything you need will be added unto you. That's why God desires us to be a holy people, even in our conduct, because we should forever, even though we've been positioned and made righteous, that cannot be taken away from you. Just keep on serving God. But that doesn't mean that you don't start, stop seeking righteousness, to walk in righteousness. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Let me give you another scripture. Is everybody okay in Vero Beach this evening? You see, the truth is, is righteousness is something that should be sought in every area of our God. What righteousness? God's righteousness. So that means that in my daily living, in my decision making, God's righteousness. In my relationships, in my, my relationships at work, family, friends, God's righteousness. How do I do that? How do I, how do I treat my family? How do I treat my, my relationships? How do, I do that? how do I do it right? God's righteousness. If I want my marriage to be better, how should I conduct my marriage? God's righteousness. If I want to have a better relationship with my children and raise them right, in what way should I raise them? According to what book? According to what law? God's righteousness. If I want to conduct my business, how do I conduct my business? God's righteousness. When it comes to your sexuality, how do you decide what you are? God's righteousness. There is no other way. There is no other way. Listen, what kind of music do you listen to? You can answer the question. All right, let's move on. You see, Romans 8 verse number 5 says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If you don't set yourself in agreement with the Word of God, you walk according to the flesh. If you set yourself in agreement with the Word of God and follow His way, you are walking according to the Spirit. That's what it means. This is as easy as I can break it down. <laughs> so we seek the kingdom first. I love the way Paul writes to the Philippians church here. Take a look at this. First, Philippians 2 verse 12. And God's word is just so powerful. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only. So in other words, not only when I'm around, 
But now much more in my absence. Watch this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. Paul says here, it's so powerful. He says, it's God who works in you both to will. In other words, your will and what you do is, is because it's what you desire to do. You desire to do His good pleasure. He says, you must work out your own salvation. Each and every one of us must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, but have a desire to do His will. Have a desire to do what pleases Him. And then he says this, I'm so glad this is here. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. It's like this was written for us right now. Among who you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, as that I may receive, uh, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Amen. That's his prayer, and that's my prayer for you. Is that you'll run your race, you'll go after God, and never stop seeking to change. Listen, Paul could have gotten to a place in his walk with God where he was standing over there. Jesus is still at the door. He's not quite nearly there yet, but he's on his way. And he could have said, listen, I've written two-thirds of the New Testament outside the Gospels. I'm so holy that I've been caught up into the fourth heaven. But instead he says, listen, I've realized something. There's a problem inside me. I still do the things I don't want to do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. So what can I do to solve this problem? What I can do is I can agree with the law that it is right. What does that mean? That I will choose to seek the righteousness of God. I will choose to go after His word, His ways. What He says is right and true and go after it with all of my heart. That's what he desired to do and that's what he decided. So don't think for one second that there's a contradiction when the Bible says that you've been made righteous. Yes, you are righteous. But you should never stop seeking to walk right with him because as soon as you do, you'll lose your way and we could preach another whole sermon on that. But that's what will happen. When you stop seeking righteousness, you lose your passion. When you stop seeking righteousness, you lose your hunger for God. You begin to compromise. And many people begin to backslide at that place. Amen. But it's not only righteousness that we should seek. Let's not forget the first part. The kingdom of God. Go after God with your whole heart, guys doesn't matter what season in your walk with him you're in. Some of you might be in a valley. Some of you might be in a wilderness. Some of you might be on the top of a mountain. At no point, stop losing your hunger for him. Whether you're in that valley, in the best mountain celebration of your life, or stuck in the wilderness, be hungry for God. Seek the king. Seek his kingdom and seek his righteousness. And then I want you to know that you will lack no good thing. You will have everything that you need. You know, in Romans 8, he sh you know, I shared with you, you know, there's, there's this famous scripture that we all know so well, but it really is so powerful. You see, 
Seeking righteousness doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Seeking righteousness means that that's your desire. Like Paul says, and I still realize I do things I shouldn't do. But Romans 8 says this. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That was actually added in. The truth is, is that if you serve God and you walk with Him, there is no condemnation for you. He says, for the law of the Spirit is life in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. You are free, listen to me, from what's present in you. But you must choose to not bow to it. You've been set free from it. So instead of bowing to it, turn in the other direction. Turn to the other part that's in you. The part that is Him, that is leading you and guiding you and wants to turn you into something incredible. Because there is something special about each and every one of, of you. I wanted to say us. Me too. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. It's hard to understand, Lord, what you have done for us. To truly comprehend the fullness of grace, of righteousness. But I know that we stand here this evening without spot or blemish. All we have to do is ask for your forgiveness. And your word says, your word, which is unquestionable, undeniable, fully your breath and word. It says that if we ask for forgiveness, that you will forgive us and you will cleanse us from unrighteousness. So even in our daily walk, when we mess up, Lord, we can come to you and you will cleanse us again. It is our desire to seek after you, Lord, your kingdom, to seek to walk in your righteousness, to walk as you are, Father. We know that you are holy. And if your son had not made us holy, we could never be holy. So we thank you for it. Even the ability to seek after you, we know that it's only by grace. So we give thanks for the opportunity to worship you the way that we do. We love you so much, Lord. And tonight in this place, I'm just so thankful to you that you have made a way. It's not that complicated. Your word is so powerful, like a sharp two-edged sword that has the ability to cut into the marrow, into the deeper parts, up to our heart and change us, Lord. I pray that it would do that tonight, that we would have a desire, a desire to seek after you, a desire to run our race like Paul did and finish strong, Lord. That's my prayer for everyone in this place tonight. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. We honor you. And we surrender. Like that song we sang tonight, Lord. We surrender. We surrender to you, Jesus. We surrender our lives. Lord, I choose. I choose 
to go deeper. I desire to go deeper, Lord. And if that means there's more stuff that has to fall off, let it fall off, Lord. Help us. Help us to walk in a deeper relationship with you. Help our eyes to open so that we can see and our ears to open so that we can understand and know the things that you freely desire to give to us. I give you thanks for everything, for your grace, for your mercy, for your love, for each and every precious person in this place. I give you thanks, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now, if you've come in this place and you say, Pastor Alex, my life is not right with God. I'm not where I should be with Him right now. I've fallen back. And tonight, I want to recommit my life or I want to give my life to Jesus. Please quickly slip your hand up so I can pray for you. Don't be afraid. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you, young lady. Thank you. Anybody else say, Pastor, please include me. Thank you, sir. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. You can put it down. Thank you. I see your hand in the back. God bless you. Any, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. I see your hand over there. God bless you. Thank you. You can put it down. Anybody else say, Pastor, that's me. Tonight, I make a decision. I make a decision to run my race. I'm done with this world. I want to serve Jesus with my whole life. That the compromise, the stuff of this world, I don't want it anymore. Give me Jesus. If that's you, just raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Many, many hands have gone up. Thank you so much, sir. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Let's all stand for just a moment. Amen. 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 Now listen, if you raised your hand, you know, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that He, he died and rose again, that He's the Son of God, you will be saved. So that's all you have to do. But as you can see in tonight's lesson, that's what's almost most important is the desire that you have. Paul's desire was to do what is right. If that's your desire, if you say, Pastor Alex, that's me tonight. I desire to, to make right with God, to give my life to Him. And you raised your hand. All I'm asking you is let that really be your desire. Go after God with your whole heart. Serve Him with your whole heart. So I'm going to ask if everyone that raised their hand, in fact, the whole congregation, we're all going to pray this prayer together tonight. We're all going to pray this prayer together, but especially you that raised your hand, pray it with your whole heart this evening. Let's all say, Father, I come to you tonight in the name of your son, Jesus. I believe Jesus died and rose again. He is the Son of God. Forgive me for my sins. Lord, I thank you that your word says, if I ask for forgiveness, you will forgive me. Holy Spirit, come and fill me now. And Lord, write my name in your book of life. I give my heart to you. I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord a big clap. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. God is so good. Amen. Amen. It feels more like a Sunday morning this evening, but it's so good to, to, to be with you guys. And those of you that raised your hands, please go to the information desk at the back and reach out to one of our, one of our volunteers or one of our, our pastors and staff members. We're going to be doing a new believers course soon. We want to get you connected. If this is your first time that you've given your life to Jesus, please let us know so that we can reach out to you and get you connected. God bless you guys. Have an awesome evening. Go in the peace of God, and we will see you tomorrow. Amen.